Hello, everyone. Welcome to our podcast. Here we will delicately and tactfully walk through each psychological issue. Psych! This podcast is meant for entertainment purposes only. This is not intended as individual, psychological, or medical advice. Please proceed at your own risk and always defer to your individual medical or mental health care team. Basically, don't make it weird, guys. Right. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to Shit Your Shrink Thanks. to the country gonna eat a lot of peaches <laughs> yeah and i forgot the other part of the song <laughs> something about peaches for me oh yeah millions of peaches peaches for me millions of peaches peaches, peaches for, for me, me. <laughs> oh no i love it this has nothing to do with our topic today no it just no yeah nope. We we are as a as a reminder we are shit your shrink things we are two shrinks to tell you what we think about life mental health we give you fun facts about mental health skills that we try the skills we don't do them great we report back to you <laughs> we tell you what we did wrong and then you do them better hopefully and usually we yeah. try to sing you a song that's related to what the hell we are talking about today which is eating disorders but Michaela was just feeling the peaches song so I mean it has the eating a lot of peaches in it yeah it does say eating yeah but no that's that's about as close as we got (laughs) it's not really relative at all (laughs) binging the peaches (laughs) peaches for me (laughs) yeah we can make it binging related at least yeah there we go yeah I like that so yes, folks, welcome back. And today, as usual, we do have a what's good for you. So we talk about either stories that the other co-hosts might not know about us, or we might just give something that was positive during the week to kind of uplift the souls, the millions of souls listening to us today. So millions is really generous. Maybe like that is <laughs> three thousand. Maybe someday of souls. <laughs> the thousands uh actually there are, we do have a couple thousand can you believe that we have thousands Woo-woo. at this point that's that's nutty that is pretty cool that's really nutty thank you all uh yeah yeah that's nuts anyway so what's good with you this week Michaela my what's good is kind of related to our podcast theme today mm-hmm. I know I've talked about how it's really good to talk to yourself mm-hmm. as if you were talking to your best friend mm-hmm I came across another thing that said, talk to yourself the same way you talk to a dog. Oh, yeah. I yeah, tell my dog like, she's a loaf. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> Get over here, you big See, old loaf. It's, hey, sweet girl. Look at that beautiful belly. You're so clever. Want a treat? I just thought that was, that was I liked it. Want a treat? <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah, I do want a treat. Absolutely, I want a treat. I want to talk to myself like Lizzo talks to herself. That is my model. There's a, whatever that song is, is Soulmate, where she talks about you got to be your own soulmate. Like, I'll buy myself flowers. I want to marry me someday. <laughs> that's that's kind of the model <laughs> I want to work with. Yeah. But talk to yourself beautifully. That. Talk to yourself like your yeah. own dog, as long as you don't call your dog a loaf. Yeah. If you're calling your pets little fatties, then maybe don't put that part in there. Yeah. But I, t- <laughs> I tell, I, I'm like, you are a big old loaf and I love you. You are a beautiful loaf. 
Yeah. Well, I think that's, I mean, that's okay, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> They're still saying they're beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Just loving all of it. Beautiful Loaf is the name of my album. <laughs> uh, so I have a pretty... Uh, well, what's... Yeah, what's your what's good? I have a pretty funny one for you this week. So once upon a time, my husband listens to this podcast. Uh, it's called The Rosillo Show. It's a sports podcast. They they just talk about sports for the majority of the podcast. But at the very end okay. of the podcast, they do a section called Life Advice. And uh, my husband has listened to this podcast for like 15 years. And he's never written in. But we had a situation and we wrote in about they, they'll give you advice about the situation. And this is okay, a, okay. an extremely popular podcast. And the one time he wrote in that day, he got picked the next day. Whoa. So, yeah. So I'm in the car and he just starts. He presses play and they say, oh, it's life advice time. And this life advice is called Dave Matthews Band Disruptor. And then literally, I was like, oh, my God, that's ours. Like, I just edited. I edited it before he sent it in. And it was ours. It was so crazy. So, yeah, they gave us life advice on a situation. We had basically gone to a concert, a Dave Matthews Band concert for the first time in a really long time. And uh, this couple was on a first date behind us and they were um, just loud as hell and horrible. Mm. And my husband, who is the most Midwestern nice person you'll ever meet in your life, who'd never like get in somebody's grill, turned around and was like, hey, could you guys please keep it down? Because like it would be during the really soft tracks. They're just like shouting right behind us. And you could tell other people uh. were uncomfortable get too. annoyed too yeah yeah and you he was like hey can you keep it down and the guy was like are you serious <laughs> and my husband was like i mean yeah, yeah. <laughs> i i wouldn't have said it if i wasn't please no just kidding <laughs> punked you anyway so they read the the whole life advice and i was telling my husband i was like oh my gosh you peaked that's it like that was what you're put on earth to do like you got it you did it we're famous now and uh, I was telling him, this is a big segue into my peak moment, like when I realized I peaked. Uh, oh, and this was like okay. a year ago. It was my peak moment of life. I am not going to say the place because then you can locate me. But let's just say it is a giant fall festival in the Midwest. A giant okay. location. You know where I'm talking about, where we have mutually lived that you go to this place and you can buy pumpkins and you can like go through this huge like almost fall town and do activities and drink hard cider. It's crazy. It's so fun. It's super fun. It's expensive, but it's super fun. Well, I had wandered this year through this entire thing. This was the first time mm -hmm. I had been there. And I was like, this is the best place in the world. Like I actually feel like this is the best place in the world. But I got to the back of this, like, fairground, let's say, and I discovered something I didn't think was going to be cool. And it was called an apple gun. Do you know what this is? No. Okay. It is essentially like a, I don't know, some kind of, if you've ever played softball before or, d like, used a pitching machine to, yeah. like, pitch balls at you in a batting cage. It's essentially that, only it shoot you load apples into it, and it's, like, on, it's on, like, a turret, so you can turn it, and they had it set And shoot apples at shit? <laughs> yeah! So they had it set up so that you could shoot 
apples at like these objects like that they made look like things in this field and the apples were launched out at like speeds that could kill a person for real oh i bet yeah yeah and so it was like oh five bucks for 10 apples or something like that and i was like no i'm not gonna do that i'm not gonna pay five dollars to shoot 10 apples that's crazy and uh my husband's like i am absolutely doing this so i'm back we're with a bunch of friends and i'm watching the kid and i'm watching them shoot these things and my husband is like all right, listen, you little psycho. I know you're gonna love. You got to do this. You, yeah. This is gonna like your your bloodthirsty nature is just gonna go crazy, you know. And I was like, yes, yes, I'm gonna do this. So I get up there, I load an apple, and I shoot it, and I hit this like, um, I don't know, a metal cow in the distance, like a far distance, boom headshot right between the eyes. Like it was my first try, boom headshotted this cow with this apple at a million miles per hour. And I was like, felt this feeling wash over me. Like, oh, I just peaked. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> like this is my, this is the top of my existence. I know there is Top nothing, of my game. <laughs> there's nothing better than this. So I didn't shoot another apple because I was just like, well, that was it. I boom headshotted this the first try and now I'm I'm done. So these are my two what's goods this week. My husband has peaked. I've now peaked. So I guess we're just like, at this point, we've fulfilled our life purpose and we're just kind of floating through now. Yeah, you've done it. Yeah. You've already made it. I'm really excited. <laughs> so Hey, look, mama made it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so what did you try for your outside of podcast experiment and how'd it go? Mine was related to kind of just body positivity. Yeah. And kind of being nice to myself about how I look and my weight and everything. Yeah. And I did okay. I can't say I did great, mm-hmm. but I can't say I did terrible. Mm-hmm. I still could say that I have came a long way in my self-talk world. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, but I, I mean, I definitely, there were multiple times where I noticed things and kind of was a little derogatory towards myself, but right after I would say that, then I would kind of catch myself and be like, no, 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 like, it's not that bad. Yeah. It's okay. You know, I, I wasn't exactly like, yeah, I get it. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, right. That's a little but more. But I was at least able to talk myself around to a, this is okay. Yeah. We're <laughs> going to accept this. I don't have to like yes. it, but I do have to accept it. Correct. Yeah. Yes, I get it. Yeah. I. How did your homework go? It was very similar. I was okay. trying to do, I, I think I went more of a behavioral route because I have very minimal success in changing my own mind. It's like a steel trap up there. I'm very convinced of my, like, I'm very convicted. I know what I think. I'm not interested in changing it. Like, I just, (laughs) I don't know. I'm like, yep, I don't like that. And I'm not going to like it. So, okay. Um, But what I do instead is like, I try to treat myself in a way that a person who is really self-compassionate would treat themselves. So sometimes I can backdoor approach changing my own mind about something. So yeah, similar stuff like, you know, post postpartum life with the body positivity is kind of challenging. So yeah, what I did was I took myself out and uh, did a little bit of like, I like fashion. I think it's really fun. I don't dress up often, but I do enjoy putting stuff together. Like I'm really into colors and kind of artistically how things look. Um, I've Mm -hmm. always been interested in that. And so I enjoy fashion for that reason. And so I bought myself an outfit, nothing like super expensive. Um, I fueled the capitalist machine this week. No, just kidding. (laughs) Um, And so, no, but it was actually really nice. And 
Uh, it was something like you treat yourself if you think of yourself fondly, like this behavior demonstrates I value my own worth physically. Um, and so it was nice. It was like, OK, so now I'm wearing this outfit and I feel a little bit better about myself. Yeah, I feel a little and, bit better about how you look. Yeah. Yeah. This fits well. I, I picked it out specifically for me. I took a lot of time with it. So it was nice. I mean, it didn't I mean, I didn't crack the code or whatever. And I think that that's like a slippery slope. You don't want to do that all the time because it's like that dopamine rush is not as powerful. But if you do that once in a great while and you know that you feel good when you wear a certain thing, that can really help. Yeah. I like that. I think that's good. Yeah. That's what I tried. So what are we talking about this week? I know it's um, eating disorders and feeding disorders part two. What have we got on the diet? Right. So today we're going to specifically focus on anorexia nervosa and bulimia nervosa. Mm-hmm. Um, so first we'll just kind of dive into anorexia. Mm-hmm. And we have some stats that we're going to throw your way and then, you know, treatments mm-hmm. like we normally do as well. So first let's specifically focus on anorexia nervosa mm-hmm. and the criteria involved to meet this diagnosis. So what is criteria one, Sunny? Yeah. So you have to restrict your energy intake. So meaning like calories, food, relative mm-hmm. to the requirements that your body has. And it needs to lead to significantly low body weight in the context of what your age, sex, developmental trajectory, and physical health is. So like what that would look like for you. So significantly low weight is defined as weight that is less than minimally normal for children and adolescents, less than minimally expected. So that's it's just like you very much physically do meet the criteria of looking underweight and being underweight. Like it's a med- it's a medical right. thing. Yeah. yeah. Right. And if you're not meeting this criteria but meet the other ones, then you would fall into that atypical anorexia nervosa category. Right. Right. Exactly. So it's what right. else happens in something like anorexia? You also have an intense fear of gaining weight or becoming fat. There's a persistent behavior that interferes with weight gain, even though you're significantly low weight. So even though everybody would look at you, think that you look very thin or Mm -hmm. you look very healthy, Mm -hmm. whatever it is, if, you know, normally it's very thin or, you know, unhealthily thin. Yeah. Um you are still very fearful of becoming fat or gaining weight. Right. And and sometimes, like, a lot of times people don't even have a history of that. Like, I see mm-hmm. more in bulimia people have a history of being overweight, but a lot of times in anorexia people never have really had a history of being overweight. Um, yeah. And so it's, like, not really based in reality. They've never actually had that happen. So it also includes disturbance in the way in which one's body weight or shape is experienced. So kind of that dysmorphia piece Um, So you just have this real negative self-evaluation and you don't recognize how serious the low body weight is. Like it doesn't feel like a medical safety issue to you. It feels like a image issue where it's when actually in reality it's becoming like, no, 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 this is medically quite right. This is getting serious. And and yeah, Yeah. you, you are literally hurting yourself. Yeah. Um, You know, it's kind of some self-harm going on because of your lack of eating. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. And there are specifiers here. So there's the restricting type. And that one is the one that presents with weight loss, which is primarily through dieting, fasting, or excessive exercise. Um, 
And it's during the last three months, the individual has not engaged in recurrent episodes of binge eating or purging. So it's, it's just straight up restricting intake and access to calories, essentially. Right. And then there is the binge eating slash purging type. So again, I totally forgot this could happen, by the way. I totally forgot this could happen. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You can be in the anorexia category, but still be binging or purging. Yeah. Like once Um, one or the other or both. I mean, normally there's a little bit of both, but sometimes you could be, there is a subtype of anorexia that do not binge eat, but they still regularly purge after consumption of small amounts of food. Mm -hmm. Um. So yeah, so you the individual engaged in recurrent episodes of binging or purging, which is self-induced vomiting or misuse of laxatives, diuretics, or enemas. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and the semi-starvation of anorexia and the purging behaviors uh, sometimes associated with it can result in potentially life-threatening medical conditions. So like yeah. sodium imbalances, for example, is a really common one. Like electrolyte problems, which then end up causing like heart conditions, for example. Yeah, that doesn't say heart issues. Yeah, yeah, that's really common. Um, and even with, like, the purging stuff, I mean, this is more for bulimia, but, like, teeth, like, teeth issues. Your enamel. Yeah. Yeah. Like wearing getting eaten away. Yep. Wearing away enamel. Or, like, it actually causes physical, this really manifests. It's, these these ones are actually really quite dangerous. Um, yeah. It, as far as, like, mental health conditions go, like, this is one that you really need to be careful of because somebody can actually die. Um, right. This is one of the rarer ones where it's like, no, 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 this is life-threatening. Right. Right. And like you said, with when you have the purging behaviors, if you're using the, the laxative or diuretics, then that also affects our digestive tract. Right? right. Where our body ends up not really becoming used to understanding how to digest on its own. Mm-hmm. And so then you have that issue that could develop. Very true. So what's kind of the comorbidities here? A lot of people with this diagnosis really struggle with depressive symptoms, anxiety symptoms, social withdrawal, irritability, insomnia, diminished sex drive. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that, that tends to be happening alongside mm-hmm. this diagnosis. Yeah, it's usually not just one thing. Absolutely. And there are right. often like OCD type features. So it, usually in relation, again, to like food, body shape and weight. So it's like right. lots of checking, for example, like body checking can be one thing, like compulsively body checking, um, fears of eating in public or feelings of feeling ineffective, a strong desire to control the environment, some inflexible thinking, um, and then starting to limit social engagement because it's like, well, there's food or drink involved with social engagement and really mm-hmm. restrained emotional expression. So it, it's a, like a very locked down. The, the food lockdown is not the only lockdown that occurs within this particular right. condition. But it's the driving force behind all the other lockdowns. Yes. You're thinking about, okay, so if I'm going to be, you know, binging at this time, then I have to, you know, can't, or purging at this time. You know, you're kind of always planning, sorting out your day and planning around the food yeah. or the lack thereof or the exercise. Yeah. Um, it reminds me a lot of addiction, like planning around yeah. how to get alcohol or a drug or whatever and like planning mm-hmm. how you're going to respond to these sorts of situations yeah it's a lot like that in many ways it becomes really all-consuming right yeah. yes so we'll also talk a little bit about bulimia nervosa and so to meet criteria for this diagnosis a person would need to have some recurrent episodes of binge eating 
And binge eating is characterized by you're eating in a really discreet period of time, like maybe within two hours, let's say, and the amount of food is way larger than what most individuals would eat in a similar period of time under similar circumstances. Right. And continually snacking on small foods throughout the day is not considered binge eating and nor are big holiday meals like that doesn't count. You know, if if there's a specific reason that you're having a, a big, you know, meal that that doesn't quite count it's more that habitual small period of time eating an entire box of cereal Mm -hmm. or you know eating like three bags of oreos (laughs) yeah going to mcdonald's ordering three big macs and two fries and just eating them all kind of like as fast as you can right yeah right there's there's certainly a lack of sense of control over eating during the episodes so it's just like yes. i can't stop and it's almost like a fugue state like you're kind of right. like distanced you don't even really feel like you're kind of in your body when you're doing it you're just eating and eating and eating and you're not yeah you're not like you're not totally you know dissociative mm-hmm. but you're not necessarily there either <laughs> absolutely absolutely yeah you're <laughs> yeah exactly There's also some inappropriate compensatory behaviors after you have this binge state to then prevent weight gain. So it can be vomiting, which is, I think, what we see in social media or popularized representations of bulimia. But it also can be laxatives, diuretics, um, other medications, fasting, or excessive exercise. So you're compensating in a really serious way for the binge. And the binge eating and inappropriate... uh compensatory behaviors occur on average at least once a week for three months yeah so it's it's pretty frequent it's really pretty frequent and right the self-evaluation is really influenced by body and weight so we've talked about how like there are other feeding disorders that aren't people aren't worried about like thinness or shape and weight this is one of them where people are worried about thinness shape and weight and it doesn't right. exclusively occur during episodes of anorexia so it's like right. these people a lot of times actually are not overly thin like they're like more normal body weight and sometimes actually a little above um just because with like binge eating it's and purging it slows down your metabolism pretty significantly and you actually are getting more calories than you think you are when you're binging um, so yeah. yeah, a lot of times these people don't look like they have a serious, serious eating disorder. And so that's like even more reinforcing, I think, in a lot of ways, because it's like, oh, I look great. You know, that's, that can be yeah. a problem. But many individuals with this diagnosis often feel ashamed of their eating behaviors and they really do attempt to conceal their symptoms. So the binging often occurs, you know, in a secret area or as inconspicuously as possible and they're often continuing to eat until they're like uncomfortably or painfully full yeah it's almost like now necessary to make this exit the body because it just feels so bad and the most common antecedent of a binge is a depressed or negative mood so like it can be like really low mood and then you start to binge, but other triggers can do it. So like interpersonal stressors, I've seen PTSD triggers do it, uh, yeah. long-term diet, like, and then you just kind of break down, like you do really good, quote unquote, good for six days. And then you <laughs> right. binge and purge at the end because you have been right. restricting so hard. Um, negative feelings related to your body or shape. 
can be a trigger. So like you get on Instagram, you see a bunch of like thin inspiration bullshit, and then you're like, well, I feel fat. And then you you get stressed and then you binge and then you purge. Um, right. And even Try to find some comfort. Yeah. And even sometimes like boredom and numbness can can be yep. a trigger. Yeah. Just want to feel something. Yeah. Or it's just something to do. Yeah. And to compensate for binging, the purging behaviors always occur to be in this. And like we said, most common is vomiting. So how common is anorexia and bulimia and when does it develop and, and what do the scientific studies say? So eating disorders in general affect at least 9% of the world population. Yeah. It's higher in Western I feel like, countries. Yeah. And I feel like that's perhaps a low stat if I had... Oh, absolutely. It's You know what I mean? It's low. And I, absolutely. I wonder too... I wonder, too, because my perspective of this is that a lot of people are touched by this. Mm -hmm. Maybe they don't meet full criteria. Mm -hmm. And then I also think that it's a it's a phase of life that some a lot of people experience. Like, you know, but because this is a medically. Physically detrimental thing, people aren't going to be having this diagnosis long term. Right. So. Yep. My wonder about this stat is, is this just a small little snippet of time where, yes, 9% have it at this moment? Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, what what would be the percentage of people who have experienced this in their lifetime? Right. That's the stat I want to know. Right. <laughs> well, right. No, me too. And I think when you say worldwide, like, non-Western countries that have not had exposure, like, there's literally research on this, countries that don't have exposure or as much exposure to western media and don't have like uh kind of like really consistent high access to like really caloric foods they don't this isn't a thing they don't have this at the same level but if you were to look just at western countries i mean i (laughs) as a member of the primary group that this affects i remember like being in high school and thinking to myself this is like 30 percent of the women that I am talking to. Yeah. I mean, like, really, yeah. really, this is 30% of the women I'm talking to. Uh, right. And I don't think it's getting better. I'll say that much. No. Like, I don't think it's going in the right direction. Uh, so, yeah, I would be shocked if this was not an underestimate. According to the DSM, the prevalence of anorexia among young females is pro- approximately 0.4%. But keep in mind that anorexia is a really hard set of criteria to meet. Because you right. have to be medically underweight. So, Correct. yeah, okay, 0.4% then are medically underweight. But what are the other grouping of people that have disordered eating surrounding this? Yes. So the prevalence of bulimia among young females is 1 to 1.5%. But again, it's like, well, you have to meet these really specific criteria, but the disordered eating around it is probably pretty high. Right. And the prevalence of both these diagnoses in men is lesser known, but as far as we can tell, it's far less common. Yeah. So there's like a 10 to 1 female-male ratio. Yeah. So like 10 women would experience these kind of eating disorder symptoms to one guy. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's quite a serious condition. So suicide risk is elevated, um, in particularly in anorexia, and elevated risk for mortality all cause for bulimia with a mortality rate of 2% per decade. So it is, it's a pretty serious condition, but I think we just like kind of culturally normalize this for people. Yes. It's like, well, I don't, 
you know, you got to be thin. <laughs> I guess if you die. Whatever it takes. Whatever. Yeah, it's like, yeah, all right. Cool, I guess. Die pretty. Yeah. <laughs> die pretty. I should call that the name of the episode. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, anorexia, die pretty. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it is true, though. It's like that's definitely the message. It's like. It doesn't really matter how you live as long as you look ornamental to the people around you and you make them by the presence of your body and keeping your mouth shut. As long as you make them feel good, baby, you're doing it right. Yeah. Yeah. Smile pretty. So sad. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty gross. I as you can tell, I have a lot of feelings about this. <laughs> this uh, one makes me mad. I think it's it's well, hard not to. It's it's hard not to. Like you said, when so many people in our lives have experienced these kind of symptoms, plus ourselves even just mm-hmm. having dabbles in mm-hmm, it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, Lord. Yeah. It's it's a wild it's a wild thing to to watch people go through, that's for sure. So generally anorexia and bulimia symptoms develop in adolescence and young adulthood. So it doesn't usually begin before puberty, uh, but after puberty puberty like right after puberty and during puberty whew, it rages it do- doesn't usually start after age 40 and it's often associated with a stressful life event or life events uh. yeah right and researchers are finding that eating disorders are caused by complex interaction of genetic biological behavioral psychological and social factors so our brain chemistry Environment and culture, like we said, our mental health, the peer pressure, and then trauma mm-hmm. can all influence in this causing, you know, into development. Mm-hmm. And I know you, you've you talked about this a little before, I think, too, but like with the trauma factors, I mean, sometimes this is, these develop as a means of control, right? Mm-hmm. When we feel like life is out of control, we're trying to find something that we can control. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of people, the food intake is something easy to latch on to and focus around. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I I think there's a very real, I think there's like two things. It's one, well, there's more than two things, but one of the things is that when you are not feeling like you really understand what's going on in the world around you, not only is it easy, but it's like accessible. You don't have to be rich. You don't have to be poor. You don't have to, you, all you have to do is decide whether you're going to put this in your mouth. And that's like a really easy marker for success um, Mm -hmm. or like whether it's going to be in your body or not. But then the other thing is, is like our society, Western culture has determined that thin bodies are like what should happen. And so then, you know, you get kind of external validation pellets because you're quote doing it right. Like, yeah, you're skinny and quote unquote pretty. So now you're doing it right. So even if like something is going really, really wrong for you, or even if there are a lot of things like, let's say you're not getting a whole lot of praise in the world around you, or you are, you know, you're doing poorly in school or people mean to you at home or whatever, you know, you're doing this quote unquote right. It's like, well, Mm. I'm doing something. This is people, people. And it's crazy how often people will comment on your body. Like, oh, my God. Per- it's so disgusting how frequently <laughs> people think it's OK to comment on bodies. Yeah, f- particularly for young women, like particularly for kind of yeah. adolescent women. When people see you lose a whole bunch of weight and are like, you know, really, uh, 
wow, what are you doing? Yeah. Must be really working for you. You look beautiful. You know, you're so disciplined. Oh my gosh, that must be so hard. I'm so impressed. I wish I looked that way. And then we like give young girls this message. It's like, okay, well, I am doing something right and I can control something. So it makes sense. It's like a very validating rewarding Mm -hmm. sort of thing and especially if you place that in the context of a lack of rewards at home or in your environment otherwise it makes sense i mean it's yeah it makes sense there's also growing acknowledgement of the neurobiological vulnerabilities that can contribute to these diagnoses Mm, interesting so maybe something like autism spectrum or adhd or something like that might be more likely to develop this yeah emerging data points to a Dysregulation of serotonin pathways in cortical and limbic structures that may be related to anxiety, appetite, behavioral inhibition, impulse control, and body image distortions in people who struggle with these diagnoses. Yeah. And you never know, right? Is that the chicken or the egg? Like, is that you're born with that dysregulation or because you're in a super, I don't know, let's say abusive environment, do you just like not then develop all of your little serotonin buddies, right? This right. is, it's it's like, well, we don't know whether, which one it is or if it's both. Um, we can right. just capture a picture of it in the present. Yeah. Well, and they also acknowledge with some of these studies that puberty related changes mm. kind of exacerbate the serotonin dysregulation, right? So- There's also that factor as, you know, that's the peak when we might develop this and we're already having serotonin dysregulation due to puberty. Right. Um, And then we add on the stress of culture and society and pressures and anxiety stuff and obsessive temperament. You know, it it can be a whole. Well, I think, too, it's like like you said, when if it develops mostly during adolescence and you are trying to figure out your identity, I think a lot of us when we're trying to figure out our identities are like, well, I do want to be quote unquote good. What is good, right? Like, let me look around and see what is good. Who are people who are seen as good? Okay, Mm. well, it looks like at least women who are seen as good, they're thin and they're pretty and they look a certain way and they act a certain way. Like, okay, I can be good too. Part of being good is being skinny. And then so it's like this kind of trying to work your identity out for yourself and then trying to set something up for the future, this then kind of spirals, I think, right. in a lot of folks. Um, when nobody, especially when nobody has a conversation, like, why is that what's seen as good? And do you want to do that version of good? Right. <laughs> is that right. helpful? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, because I think, you know, if you if we got to see a sneak peek in a lot of those you know, desired celebrities, I think we would see quite the effing mess, honestly. Well, I think yeah. there's a lot of hot mess celebrities out there who, quote unquote, look good, but like, you don't want that life. Yeah. Like, you don't, yeah. you don't want that internal monologue that they got going on. Yeah. Like, I, I can almost guarantee it. I feel like I remember Taylor Swift talking about this, actually. Um, I feel like I watched a documentary or something. I watch a lot of documentaries, but I feel like I watched... Yeah, it was Miss Americana, and she talks about, like, how she had an eating disorder for a lot of years, like a really pretty severe one. And it shows, I mean, Mm. it shows her during that period of time, and it's very, it's very visible. Like, obvious. Yeah, Yeah. it's it's very, very obvious that she was meeting criteria for anorexia. And, uh, hey, no shade. It's But she talks about, like, uh, my brain was, like, filled with worms. (laughs) Like, Like, she talks about, like, it was just, like, 
a constant thing that I thought about. And now that she has to work really hard to like, quote unquote, change the channel when her brain starts doing that sort of Going pattern. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think that that's like really good awareness. I think most people probably don't have that awareness. And I think what we miss on like socials is that pe- these people have access to cosmetic procedures you can't even imagine. I mean, the the mm, cosmetic procedures yeah. that are done to promote... I mean, I've seen people have, like, ribs removed to look thinner. Oh, my God. I mean, really? No, that's a thing yeah. that happens. Yeah. Like, to make your waist look smaller. I mean, I, mm-hmm. liposuction is really common. The amount of, like, fat loss, fat modification, shape modification procedures. Right. Take that, it out of your butt, put it in your lip. Yeah. Like, it. you would be <laughs> yeah. shocked at how often that actually happens. Um I have a weird, I can't really say a lot about why I have a window into that, but I have like a weird window into knowing that that's true, like factually knowing that that's true. And uh, yeah, I will just say that you would be shocked to know that. And then the other thing is, is like how the media portrays this, like social media, there is a whole nother layer yeah. of like editing. Yeah. And yeah, none of those magazine pictures look like that. No, no, no. The people do When you not... actually see the original photo yeah. and what they did to it, like, holy fucking shit. Yeah. The people don't even look like the people. <laughs> I mean, no. Like, no. Yeah. They don't even, if you saw them in real life, it would be like, well, that's not what I saw. So it's, I mean, I think the other thing I always want to point out about the development of this sort of stuff is. I think as teenagers and, you know, young women in particular are looking for some level of validation, but culturally the validation is going to look different. And I've referenced a study before, and I think it was the Philippines, but the Philippines like kind of did not have any eating disorders or like really mm-hmm. prevalent eating disorders due to like a desire to be thin. And then when um, I want to say it was like soap operas, like American soap operas were introduced, Western media all of a sudden you see this explosion of the rates of eating disorders in this population. So it's like, interesting. yes, maybe like the desire for control is there or like some anxiety or some depression or whatever, but how that comes out is very specific to the society and what Mm -hmm. is validation in that society. And in our society and our culture, it just happens to be thinness. Um, Yeah. Which is particularly dangerous, honestly. Which is. Yeah. And again, I think it's so interesting if you think about the different eras, right? Yeah. Like, if you would look at some older eras, like some of those older paintings of very voluptuous women, mm-hmm. very proud of their bodies, you know, that was actually it's beautiful. Yeah. Like, and the very thin, starving looking people were not yeah. because, you know, they weren't, <laughs> they weren't well off. They couldn't eat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard this like framed a lot of different ways. Like I've heard theorists talk about like why this developed. So one of the theories is like, you have to kind of make the thing that is cool, something that's really hard to access. And so oh, like, or something that's really yeah. hard to do. And so, like, it used to be cool to be voluptuous and have more weight because it was hard to keep weight on if you're, like, working in the fields and if you don't have a lot of money and you don't have access to food. So it shows that you're upper crust and wealthy historically if you have a little bit more junk in the trunk, if you have dumps like a truck. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That's something. But then it changes 
based upon like what's accessible to people. So now if you can access like organic food and hiking and like super high octane yoga classes and be really, really thin and super disciplined and deny all of this stuff, then now that's the like kind of validating cool thing because in either situation it shows that you're upper crust and you have an association with like high economic status. Um, so I've heard it kind of viewed as an economic argument as well. And then of course, like there's kind of like more of a, like a gender study leaning where some people would say like, well, we just kind of make women do whatever is like the hardest thing to do at that time. (laughs) Uh, That makes sense too. Because of like, you know, (laughs) oppression or whatever. That's like another argument that's presented is like, if you want to like have a grouping of people not have a lot of power, then what you do is you occupy their mind by doing something that's really, really difficult so that they don't look at other things that are going on. Right. They're not so great. Yeah. Um, These are. Stay distracted with how you look so you don't. Yeah get up and become powerful in other ways. Yeah, 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 exactly. This is like, these are, these are my favorite uh, conversations to have about the DSM. Cause it's like, okay, these things are like, this is a disorder clearly because of like medical issues, but then you have to ask yourself like, why does this even exist? What in the shit? And I feel that way about all of the conditions that we treat. It's like, I have this chronic, like, why does this even exist? exist sort of mentality and i think it's really important to ask yourself with anything like this it's like what is the foundation of this issue uh yeah where does this really and if we really drilled down it's like you know wanting to control things about your body if you have like existential dread that's another way to look at it right there's a lot of ways to look at why this exists so right and individuals with anorexia do tend to have like high constraint They kind of sometimes will have like constricted affect or emotional expressiveness, Mm -hmm. anhedonia, um, and individuals with bulimia tend to be a little bit more impulsive and sensation seeking. Yeah. And I mean, those are generalized things like don't, you know. Yeah. Don't, don't keep that as like, you know, the the Holy Bible, but it is, it it, it does tend to divide the two. Um, And like I said, I do, I have seen bulimia be more associated with like ADHD, for example, Um, Mm. so that can be something to just kind of keep in mind. And I think next time we're going to talk a little bit more about treatment options, treatment, um, because this is just such a big topic area. We're doing like an entire chunk of the DSM. So we'll talk a little bit. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit more in depth about what, what we typically do to treat it, what we've seen in our own clinical practice. Um, and then keep in mind, guys, every time you listen to this, it's never any shade from our end. We're never trying to up- no. other anybody. It's always just, this is what it is. Take this information yep. and become dangerous with it if you can. Yes. But in a dangerously, good way. Yeah, I was going to say dangerously intelligent, dangerously <laughs> aware. <laughs> dangerously sexy. <laughs> sexy with all of your facts (laughs) yes so based on this what are we going to try for outside of session podcast experiment i think i want to continue with the body positivity kind of practices just Mm -hmm. continuing to work on that for me right now because it is the postpartum body world is an interesting thing i mean you know we all know that they're going to look a little we're going to look a little different after Mm -hmm. after baby Mm -hmm. but Still accepting and adjusting is a challenge. So I'm going to keep working on it. Yeah, I think uh, that could be something to really kind of think about in regards to outside of session practice. And I think I'm going to probably do something 
similar. Uh, I think I'm just going to go the behavioral route and kind of treat myself like, you know, I'm too sexy for my cat, too sexy for my house. Sexy for my cat. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I want to be like too sexy for everything uh, and just kind of like dress the way that I want to feel brush my hair in the way that I want to feel. I mean, I'm still not going to wear a waistband. Like, don't get it twisted. I won't be putting real pants on. Like, I'm going to be... Oh, okay. At first, (laughs) again, my literal mind was, like, imagining, like, a a corset type thing going on. I'm like, what? Well, yeah, please don't. Yeah, no, I'll be wearing, like, (laughs) things that only have drawstrings or dresses. So that's... I won't be going too hard on this, but just mostly, like... Putting myself together, I think, could be something that, you know, makes body positivity go up, makes you feel a little bit better, and also makes you treat yourself a little bit better. I like that. And I just, before we ended up, I I thought of a song I should have started the Diam episode with. Mm-hmm. Was, is Victoria's Secret by Jax. It's like a new song. Have you heard this? Oh, yes. It's like, I know Victoria's secret. And girl, you wouldn't believe. She's an old man who lives in Ohio. Making making money money off off girls girls like like me. me. (laughs) Yeah, I love that one. Yeah, if you haven't checked that out, that's actually a great one. We should have. We yeah, we should have used that one. Damn it. (laughs) Whatever. You just sung about peaches. I guess it'll be all right. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, what jokes do you have for me today? So. Six was afraid of seven mm-hmm. because seven ate nine. Mm-hmm. But why did seven eat nine? I don't know. It heard you were supposed to have three squared meals a day. Oh my God. <laughs> Math joke. Oh my God. Okay. I got two. Okay. Ooh. Why did the skeleton go to the barbecue? Why? To get ribs. Oh, oh man. Okay. What did the pecan say to the walnut? These nuts? No. I don't know. know. (laughs) Yeah, something like that. They said, we're friends because we're both nuts. (laughs) I like it. (laughs) All right, folks. So that's our podcast today. We hope you rate, subscribe, give us a five-star rating, follow us, review us, do all the things. We so appreciate your life minutes, and we'll see you next week for part three of Eating Disorders. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.